Call the meeting to order. Mrs. Troublefield, would you please call the roll? Mr. Barley? Here. Mr. Cathal? Mr. Collins? Here. Mr. Fritz? Here. Dr. Hattier? Here. Mr. Hudson? Here. Mr. Layfield? Here. Mr. Peden? Here. Dr. Statler? Mrs. Ray? Here. This is the regular board meeting for the month of September, and we do have a quorum. Would everyone please rise for their presentation of colors? may be seated. Next item on the agenda is Indian River Student Government. Thank you very much. Need a motion to approve the agenda for this evening's meeting? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Need a motion to approve the regular meeting minutes of August 27th and the executive session minutes of August 27th? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. 
Special recognition, Mr. Steele. Mr. Barley, we do have one special recognition. Please join me at the podium. Mr. McCready, we come forward. We're at the, the beginning each uh, school board meeting that we hold. We always recognize students. The student that will be recognized this evening uh, actually uh, had this honor late last spring, but we're unable to get it before the end of the school year. Mr. McCready. Good evening. Selbyville Middle School would like to recognize eighth grade student Mia Trageser tonight. This past spring, Mia won a writing contest held by Scholastic Scope magazine. Mia's writing was selected as an exemplar piece of work and was showcased on their online scope idea book platform. Congratulations, Mia. Next item on the agenda is for public comment. The board allows 15 minutes at the beginning and the ending of each regularly scheduled board meeting for anyone in the audience who wishes to make a public comment. Each person is allowed three minutes. The uh, first speaker is Mr. Purdue. to thank the uh, board for the opportunity to, to allow uh, someone to come and pray and I'm about to do that so we bow our heads in prayer father we thank you for our time together here tonight father we just uh, we pray for the school board they have they've got certainly a tough job we pray that everything they do for our students is pleasing to you we ask that you touch their hearts give them courage and knowledge and the right thing to do father we just thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for your son who died on that cross so that we could have eternal life. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Lisa Bryant. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the board and Mr. Steele. Um, who I've spoken with several times since school began this year. Um, I'm here this evening because I'm, I'm concerned. Um, I've been a parent since 1990. I currently have one child and three grandchildren in the Indian River School District. At the beginning of the school year this year, when the school bus showed up to pick up my son, the person behind the wheel I, by total accident, happened to have knowledge 
that they had some pending legal matters that should have prevented them from being able to drive a nail, much less a bus full of our children. I brought this to the attention of my son's principal, up the chain, uh, and eventually to Mr. Steele. I'm assured that the matter is being handled. Um, here's the thing. We spend a lot of time as parents and as administrators and teachers and volunteers making sure that our children are safe within the school walls. In reality, the most dangerous part of their day may be the trip that they make from our front doors to yours. They're out there on the road. I'm sure a traffic accident is far more likely than anything happening within the walls of the school, and we prepare for that a lot. I'm not sure what the current protocol is on how often background checks and things of that nature have to be conducted for our bus drivers, but whatever it is, it needs to be more often. It needs to be re-upped during the course of the school year. All these matters are public information. I am a 45-year-old woman in Sussex County with an internet connection, and I managed to find out more in 10 minutes than the school district knew. And this woman's been driving for them since last spring. She's a subcontractor, and it's my understanding that the bus contractors are responsible for seeing that their subcontractors are compliant. Maybe that needs a look-see, too. Maybe it needs to be changed. I want to thank each and every one of you for your service. I appreciate the teachers and the administrators. Indian River does a great job with our kids. But this is a problem. In order for it to have happened this year, it's a problem. I'm assured it's going to be addressed in executive session this evening, and I just wanted to make sure that I was here um, and that I let you all know that this is bothersome to me. If the DMV can't be trusted to pass the information along to you all, well, then maybe you got to go get it. Thank you, each and every one of you. Appreciate the opportunity. Okay, thank you. Wanda Williams. Good evening. I'm Wanda Williams. I'm a kindergarten teacher at East Millsboro Elementary. And they say that the best way to not feel hopeless is to get up and do something. So we shouldn't wait for good things to happen to us. We should go out and make those good things happen. So that's why I'm here tonight. I am here to ask for some help in understanding why East Millsboro and some of the other schools in our district, schools that are over 85 and 90% capacity, were allowed to accept school choice this year. I don't think that happened in the past. I'm also here tonight to beg the board to please allow East and the other schools, if they qualify after the September 30th count, for additional units, please let us spend those units so we can get some additional help in our kindergarten classes. Uh, we currently have 28 students in each of the Spanish Emerging classes. I have 25 on roll. Mrs. Calloway has 23, I believe. Yes. 23 on roll. We are heavy in all of the classes. We would sincerely like some consideration for additional help after the September 30th unit count. Thank you. Okay, thank you. 
Asus, Avon. Good evening. Um, I'm here just like Wanda, I work at East Millsboro. I'm one of the people that has the 28 children. I appreciate um, a couple of people, including Mr. Steele, coming to our school to observe what 28 looks like. Um, I don't see the end of my line. So the issue that I'm sure you think you've thought about is safety, and it's what worries me the most. I am unable, I am one person, to see the end of my line when I walk them places. So even though my heart is in it, I love the children, I love my school, I love what I do. 28 children is a lot for one person. 23, 25, please consider the numbers next year. When I, don't, I would hate for any of us to be dealing with this matter again. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Maloney, now or later? Later? Okay. Good evening, folks. Seems to be a concurrent theme. This time we got your teachers in on it. You got a vote coming up tonight. First or second reading. School choice. Okay? I said something last month. You want to change 85 to 90 percent. I'm going to bring out a glaring attention. You look at your applications tonight. One student was rejected for one of the elementary schools. I forget which one it is. I didn't get time to copy the papers off or I'd tell you which right away real quick. But you rejected an elementary student tonight because of capacity. But Somewhere, as we went down the list to the bottom school, Sussex High School, we all know that's well over capacity. We accept another student. And when you're voting on the second reading of your school choice, I would hope, instead of burring, I'm going to go by memory, could be right or wrong, four or five instead of one of the subs, subsections, A, B, C, D, E, F, all the way down to the letter Z, however far down it goes, you bring that one paragraph that you're changing from 85 to 90 percent and put that as number one. I haven't researched your state law that you mentioned in there, but I will, but I'm sure that has to be at the top of the list, capacity of schools. Because I know a referendum's coming. And you shouldn't be burdened in taxpayer with building a new school because you just keep taking people in with disregard to your capacity levels. Have a nice evening. The sun was shining somewhere. Thank you. Next item on the agenda is school choice applications. Mr. Williams. Good evening. On your board docs this evening, you will find a total of nine school choice applications. And we are asking that eight of those be accepted and one um, is rejected due to capacity. Also, uh, President Byerly. Uh, you will see that there are some students from outside the district 
that are asking to return uh, to particular schools such as East Millsboro Elementary School. Uh, that student was uh, enrolled at East Millsboro Elementary School when the family moved outside of that attendance area and moved to Laurel. So they're asking to return as well as Georgetown Elementary. They have one uh, that has moved to Milford and also you see one um, has moved, a family has moved to Delmore. They are returning students. So again, a total of nine applications. <clears throat> we are asking to accept eight and reject one due to capacity at Lord Baltimore Elementary School. We need a board vote on that. Just, I have just a question before we make the vote. <laughs> and we used to do this, and I think we've got lax in it again with the schools that are over capacity. So of the schools that we have here now that we want to accept children, can you tell me how many are over capacity? Uh, Mrs. Wright, just by looking at last year's numbers, and I don't have those numbers in front of me, but the only two schools that we were, um, that were under capacity would be John M. Clayton Elementary and also um, Phillips South Elementary School. So, and I, I think we've discussed this many, many times. So if we're over capacity in these other schools, why are we even accepting applications for school choice? Again, these uh, families can do that, Mrs. Wright. They can uh, choose to come back to that school, as you see uh, these families have done. Uh, they were already in our count. Uh, they have moved out of the attendance area uh, within the last 30 days or so, and they're asking to return to that particular building. Okay, but again, correct, I mean, help me understand this one. If we had uh, Lord Baltimore, that was an Indian River School District person, they were long neck, and we rejected them because of capacity, why would we not reject the others? Again, I'm waiting on a board vote. So you're, I would believe, telling me that these come at the assistant superintendent's recommendation and the principals, and are the principals not aware of our, of our overcrowding? And I would assume that they are since it's their building. Yes, matter of fact, uh, we called each uh, building principal uh, before we met with Dr. Owens uh, regarding uh, these applications. Mr. Lewis, just, just to um, reiterate, the three students that are out of district, they, they are already with us. That is correct, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to make a recommendation that we accept the super, uh, assistant superintendent principal's recommendation. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any discussion? I just want to clarify that six of these nine are students within the district that are moving from one overcapacity school to another overcapacity school. They're not, we're not bringing new students in. These are students that are here that are moving from one location to another. That is correct, yes. Okay. Anyone else? Thanks for that clarity, Mr. Collins. All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? No. No. Oh. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? <clears throat> yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? No. Mrs. Wright? No.
the motion passes by a majority vote. Mr. Lewis, do, do you by chance know off the top of your head how many total our district has accepted and also how many of our own students have school choice to go elsewhere to other districts? I, I don't have that answer, but I can get that it, to next you month tomorrow. Be, I, I think they're pretty close to a wash if you can bring those numbers. Sure. Next month. You want to know how many students have choiced outside of Indian River have School District? Have left our district okay. and choiced elsewhere, and then the numbers that have choiced in. Now, when you say choiced in, are you looking at out of district students out of only? District. Out, out of district. district. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Some of the numbers we were presented before, Mr. Fritz, I think last year, was about 230 to 280 students choice into the district. So out of over 10,000 students, it's like 2.8 yeah. percent are choiced in. But then you have to factor in the number. I don't know how many choice out, but I almost think it's a wash or to the benefit of the district with those. I, I think, out. Mr. Fritz, we could probably ask Mrs. Steele to come up. She can give you. Uh, the financial breakdown. Uh, I, I know that our overall net is is a net loss um, in monies. Um, yes, last year we um, paid over five hundred thousand for students that left the district versus students that came into the district. There's a billing process between choice students that go out and choice students that go in, and that includes charter, too. Um, we have a large number of charter students um, that live within our district, but it was, um, I think it was about 545000 that we had to pay out to the other school districts. Does that mean that we're sending more out than we're bringing in? Yes. Okay. So if school choice wasn't allowed, we'd actually have more students in our district? If no yes, kids were allowed yes. To a big choice. part of that is charter also. Yeah, but still. Yes, okay. they're choosing to go somewhere else. All right, thank you. Next item is uh, National School Week for Lunch Week Resolution, Mr. Timmy. Uh, good evening. The um, School Lunch Week Resolution reads as follows. It says, whereas the Indian River School District Board of Education wishes to recognize the significant contribution of the National School Lunch Program, and whereas the National School Lunch Program makes our children healthier, stronger, and better able to concentrate on their studies, and whereas more than 7,600 Indian River students choose a school lunch every day, guaranteeing them a sound, well-balanced meal, and whereas the School Nutrition Association has coordinated activities to increase public understanding of how the National School Lunch Program benefits the child, the home, the farm, industry, and the nation. Now, therefore, we, the Indian River School District Board of Education, do hereby declare the week of October 8 through October 12, 2018 as School Lunch Week and the month of October 2018 as School Lunch Month in the Indian River School District and urge all citizens to visit the schools, sample the meals, and thus appreciate how the program contributes to the health, vigor, and prosperity of our district. Signed by Board of Education President, Mr. Charles M. Byerly. Okay. Need a motion to approve the resolution? Make a motion. We approve Second. That. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. Thank you. National School Bus Safety Week resolution, Mr. Bryan. Good evening. The School Bus Safety Resol Week resolution is as follows. 
Whereas the Indian River School District Board of Education wishes to recognize the importance of school bus safety and whereas the National Association for People Transportation has petitioned every state and union to proclaim a school bus safety week and whereas National School Bus Safety Week observance seeks to emphasize the need for increased care when near a school bus and to focus public attention on the importance people transportation plays in the total education program and whereas the Indian River School District will be emphasizing pupil awareness of school safe bus riding techniques, loading and unloading laws through the major media sources, school bus standards for school buses, and expanding school bus driver training to protect our pupils during the 2018-19 school year, and whereas the Indian River School District is transporting approximately 9,600 students daily on school buses, and whereas since the safety of our students cannot be overemphasized and the outstanding record set by the people transportation system of the Indian River School District should be recognized. Now, therefore, we, the Indian River School District Board of Education, do hereby declare the week of October 15th through the 19th, 2018, as School Bus Safety Week in the Indian River School District and urge all citizens to support the district's programs of school bus safety. Signed, Charles M. Barley, Board President. Need a motion for the resolution? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you, Mr. Bryan. 404 CBOC will be postponed until the next meeting. Statewide assessment summary data, uh, Mr. Steele. Yeah, I'd like to have uh, Dr. Jerns, um, Mrs. Kelly Dorman, uh, come up to the podium, and they will be reviewing with you tonight the uh, assessment data from uh, last summer's results from the state testing. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. So Kelly and I are here to sh share with you our district um, state test results in comparison with the state of Delaware. Um, Kelly will be sharing with you the elementary scores. I'll be talking to you about the secondary. Okay, so we're going to begin with the English language arts for third grade. So as we go throughout this presentation, please keep in mind that the red line that you're going to see across each slide indicates the proficiency level at the state. So let's look at third grade first. You will notice that five out of eight of our elementary schools are at or above the state's 52% proficiency level for third grade ELA. And next is fourth grade. Six out of eight of our elementary schools are above the state 58% proficiency level in fourth grade ELA. And we'll move to fifth grade. And again, six out of eight of our elementary schools are above the state's 58% 58, 58 proficiency level for fifth grade ELA. On the next slide, you will see how we compare um, with all other public schools in the state of Delaware. In third and fourth grade, we were seventh place. And in fifth grade, we were fourth place in the state. Now we'll move into the data for our middle schools. If you take a look at that first slide, it's for sixth graders in English language arts. And as you can see, all of our middle schools currently are above the state's performance. Moving on to seventh grade, you'll notice again that all of our middle schools are at or above the state's performance in seventh grade language arts. 
and we're proud to say that our eighth grade students are performing well above the state proficiency level. And for that reason, eighth grade, we are first in the state among public schools. For seventh grade, we are in second, and for sixth grade, sixth. Okay, next we're gonna look at the math. So we're gonna look at third grade first. And you will know that, notice that four out of eight of our schools are above the state's 54% proficiency level for third grade math. We will look at fourth grade next. And seven out of eight of our elementary schools are above the state's 50% proficiency level for fourth grade math. And then our fifth grade, again, Seven out of eight of our elementary schools are above the state's proficiency level of 43% for math um, grade five. And overall, you will see that fifth grade um, in the state, in third grade, we were fifth, in fourth grade, we were fifth, and in fifth grade, we were third in the state. Now for middle school math, you'll see with sixth graders, our state, our district schools are performing anywhere from eight to 32 percentage points higher than the state. For seventh grade math, we are all at or above the state proficiency level. And for our eighth grade math, three out of our four middle schools are above the state proficiency level. And our public school results for middle school math, we are second in sixth grade, second in seventh grade, and fifth in eighth grade. And if you look at your last slide, this is the SAT school day data. Please keep in mind that state of Delaware chooses to assess every child in the state of Delaware. And this information is being released publicly as well, but I do remind you that when you see the national results, keep in mind that Delaware is one of only two states that test 100% of the population. So when you look at those results, you're comparing it to states who are about average 28 to 32% of their students taking the SAT. Any questions? No questions? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Next item is, uh, these were discussed at Building and Grands meeting. Uh, George, what, G.W. Carver, Mr. Fritz. Yeah, so a uh, request was brought to the committee, Building and Grounds, uh, needing board approval. The first is uh, at Carver, Dr. Carey made a request for garden beds, putting in garden beds at uh, Carver. Um, it's also be part of a, uh, they can incorporate it in some of their learning uh, uh, learning programs in the building as well. So that needs to have uh, board approval. I believe uh, the money for that was coming from- ECAP. Uh, ECAP, that's correct. Make a motion. So the board maker is making a recommendation that we approve that. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Long Neck Elementary. All right, and there, there's some outdoor exercise equipment that is uh, 
not really uh, hasn't been used, is uh, really uh, not in good uh, shape any longer, uh, deemed to be a little bit of a maybe a safety issue, and the principal is requesting that that be uh, removed, and there is no cost anticipated with that. It's going to be done by the school uh, and the, the staff there at the school and the board, or excuse me, the committee is uh, bringing that as a recommendation for the board to approve. Uh, Mr. Byerly, there is an outdoor habitat area as well. That's right. That uh, the principal would like removed as well. Is there a second to the motion? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. All right. Roof repair at Philip Chow. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. So the, the roof, you're talking about the roofing at Philip Chow. Yeah. Um, so that was brought uh, roof repairs, uh, Philip Shaw, and there was a uh, uh, bid that was brought back in of uh, cost of about $25,000 to repair the roof. And the committee is bringing that to the board to approve to we can move forward with repairing with those repairs. The committee's recommendation is to approve uh, the bid that's been proposed. Okay. Is there a second? Second. Okay. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That's unanimous. Sussex Central Temporary Bus Parking Site. All right. As everyone knows, uh, the district has had to buy some of our own busing. And, of course, uh, the numbers have gotten uh, pretty large in the number of buses. We need a place to put them. There needs to be a parking, a central parking area. Uh, Mr. Booth, uh, along with Mr. Bryan, have discussed where is the best location. It deemed a Sussex Central. High School has the best uh, central location for the uh, parking lot. However, there's a cost, and you'll see on the board docks um, certain, co certain uh, costs with DENREC as well as with stone that needs to be brought in. Um, there's an estimated cost on here at a four-inch depth of around $10,000, uh, two-inch depth at around $5,000. That all would be stone would be covered under local funds. Um, there is then a request also to have electricity provided uh, as a safety and security measure. Now the money for that would be covered under a minor cap. So the uh, committee's recommendation is, uh, again, bring this to the board for approval so we can proceed with that uh, parking space. So what's the total cost on this? Because we got to put fence around it and everything else, right? No, I did not uh, put a fence in there. Buses now are parked uh, in just regular school parking lots, correct? With no fence. With no fence. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't figure a fence for it. So I just had a question about the number of buses. Did that increase significantly from our last discussion? No, there's, so there's nine routes that we took over. The, the other, it says 14, there's really going to be 13. It's four spare buses once the state gives us all of our buses. So that's our extra that puts us at 13. The one extra is sometimes we do have to bring one of the ones up to the south if one of the substitutes are covering it. So like this week we have to cover, so there'll actually be one more up there during that time, then they'll come back down to this and when the regular driver's on it. 
So right now it's nine, but when they get us all of our buses, we have the four spares, and that puts us at the 13 for the lot. Okay. That just seems like a different number, Mr. Steele, than what we were originally. It, it was. It was the different routes is what we were looking at first. What we've had is what we asked the board to give us. Yeah, it's the same okay. amount that was in there. It was nine okay. routes with four spares. Okay. Any other questions? You made a motion? Yeah. We need a second. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. Sussex Central High School made a presentation for a wrestling uniform design approved by the committee, so we would need a motion for that. So motion made. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Old business, uh, major cap planning, Mr. Steele. Mr. Browder, we're still uh, waiting um, some type of confirmation from uh, DOE Dover uh, pertaining to our CNs. We have not received any information yet. Uh, Jimmy Pennywell has not come down to do a site visit. He did uh, request late last week um, a copy of our current enrollments for this year as they were at that particular point. My guess is we'll probably within the next week, week and a half, have a visit um, up at Sussex Central, Indian River, and Selbyville. And probably about a week after that, we should hear um, news on the CNs. Any questions? 502, Howard Tiannis, Mr. Steele. Yeah, we have quite a bit of news on um, Howard Tiannis. Uh, I asked Mr. Trebuth to check. Um, CDA intends to submit the Dell DOT portion of the subdivision process today, and that'll probably either be hand delivered or submitted electronically. Uh, for a formal minor cap plan uh, that will be sent to Sussex County by the end of the week. We're hoping once this happens and we get our no contest letter uh, from DELDOT to go along with this, we, we would not have any other issues and the land should be coming to us in the very, very near future. Secondly, we have been in contact with and signed a contract with Fernick and Daniel. That's the company we agreed to use last year for the Howard T. Ennis. They actually bring in a consultant from USA Architects to deal with special needs schools. Uh, that process will be, the design process of that school will begin October the 5th. Uh, Mr. Booth just presented me this evening with the schedule. Um, it appears, even though we're still waiting for the land, that we, the, the initial schedule that they put out, we're going to pretty much, well, it looks like we're going to hit that we would begin construction probably sometime over next summer, right around July 1 to somewhere in the middle of midsummer. Um, that ought to be an exciting process. Uh, they'll do a lot of work with the uh, staff uh, at Ennis to take a look at their needs. USA architects are the ones who came in and did the original assessment that we used uh, for submission to our CN uh, two years ago. So that's, that's great news, and uh, this should you know, be off and running uh, in the design phase in a matter of about a week and a half. And that's it. Mr. Steele, I have a question with Howard Tiannis. Yep. As we're talking and moving forward with this, obviously I'm not 100% familiar with the procedure, but <clears throat> are we discussing with DelDOT the immediate danger we're putting the public in with the roadways and the intersections that have not been upgraded in years in and around the Howard T the new Howard Tiannis location, Sussex Central High School and Stokely Center? Yes, we have, uh, Mr. Layfield. We actually started that process two years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things two years ago, if you took a look at our CNs, I had 
putting a, uh, an extraordinary cost factor into those CNs that would compensate, I think, to about $3 million, mm -hmm. because we anticipated a possible light on 113, as well as some widening of turning lanes going into that building. Uh, and I think Peter, uh, is it Peterman's? Peter Hall. Peter Hall. Yes. Some of the roads there, they're looking at, at two possible, maybe three lights uh, going up with this project. Uh, when we submitted the CN this time, they actually built that amount into the uh, fee structure mm -hmm. of what they predicted the cost of that building to be. So we have, we've identified those. We think the road widening is going to be sufficient in front of the buildings. We do have the concern coming in on, I think it's Avenue of Honor, there at the highway, particularly on, and, on, and out on the roads that you go away north of Sussex Central. So they have been addressed. I share your concern in a different role, but we need to keep stressing to Delta the importance of it. <clears throat> We're not just seeing small accidents. We're seeing personal injury accidents where our youth are having to visit the hospital for extended periods after these accidents. Unfortunately, I think it's just a period of time before we may very well have a fatal accident. And I know <clears throat> the safety officials in the school need to be very loud and vocal about that before this accident happens. It's just a matter of time. And I think we're incongruent in our thought. I just really would like the legislators to be on board and DelDOT to take some more action. The priority always seems to be Newcastle County where the money's coming from. We have a desire, a need, and a safety issue in Sussex County in the surrounding intersections around Sussex Central High School and the future Howard Tiennes building. We'll, we'll keep that pressure on. And I, I drive on Peterkins during school hours, and I invite Del Dot just to sit and watch. It's a scary, scary intersection. Speaking to the local officials in, in Del Dot, they're very aware of it. But unfortunately, Del Dot is a large entity with a lot of political figures. And we as a board, as a political entity, need to keep the pressure on Del Dot so they don't stay focused in Newcastle County. There's money also that needs to be spent in Sussex County. As soon as we can get it, lives are at stake. We'll Any do other? that. Thank you. Any other comments, Howard Ennis? Need a motion to table 503 and 504 till after executive session. So moved. Second. Mo motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Committee reports, Mr. Fritz. Yeah, I only have a couple of extra things to add from building and grounds. Um, we, we had passed a vote regarding the roof at uh, Philip Chow. I uh, want to make everybody aware who wasn't at the committee meeting that uh, SDSA roof is in the process of getting, I know Mr. Booth's in the process of getting some formal bids for that roof repairs. Um, that looks to be a pretty substantial uh, job you know, that, you know, that the size requires formal bid process, et cetera. So I know Mr. Booth's working on that. Also, I know Howard Tiennes Pool was uh, discussed at the committee, and uh, I know there was a temporary fix that was done with in-house to get it up and working. I assume Mr. Booth was still waiting on the parts to come in and the company to bring the parts and fix it. Yep. Uh, in the meantime, it's, it's basically hanging on with the temporary fix. Um, other than that, we just had a few projects that were all completed, shouldn't show up anymore. Uh, Sussex Central gym floor has been uh, completed and done. If anybody's been up to that gymnasium, take a look. Uh, I think it looks, looks pretty good. That's it. Any questions? 
Comprehensive School Safety, Mr. Layfield. Thank you. We had a uh, meeting this evening where we, we had all the schools represented. It was an outstanding meeting uh, put on the agenda by Master Corporal Jeff Hudson, also in attendance, Joey Melvin, uh, Corporal Hop, and Lieutenant Wilson from Southville PD, our new SRO. Uh, we discussed uh, some of the success stories we've seen, and we also went through a priority needs list. And we talked a little bit about the uh, House Bill 335 and some monies that may come attached with that. But we saw an overwhelming theme of some needs in the schools, and we're going to try to put uh, money into what we see as a priority. And it's a, there are certain areas that we think we're deficient in, and we're going to upgrade those and move forward. But uh, again, this was a great meeting. Um, we try not to have a meeting just to have a meeting. Uh, we get a lot done here in the fall. We get a priority list, and then we try to move forward with that. So I want to thank all those administrators and safety team members that put that together because uh, we're trying to lead the way with safety for our students, and we're listening to the uh, input from our administrators who live it every day. Thank you. Okay, any questions? Finance will be covered when Mrs. Steele gives her report. Next item would be curriculum. Mr. Hudson. Thank you. Uh, we had our first curriculum committee uh, meeting of the year, and it was our first meeting with our new directors, uh, Renee Jones and Kelly Dorman. And we uh, had a good good discussion about using the curriculum committee as an avenue for reviewing new curriculum materials and resources uh, to give that uh, curriculum committee a, a, a larger voice to ensure all stakeholders are heard and when we make decisions about curriculum. And also we want to make sure that uh, everyone knows the district team will be conducting learning walks in all buildings throughout the year. The first round has started and will be finished tomorrow. And then summary reports will be provided to each principal. That's the end of our report. Thank you. Any questions from Mr. Hudson? Uh, Mary Bay, scholarship, Mr. Peden? No activity, nothing to report. Okay. Special Education Task Force, Dr. Stadler. So I have a couple of updates. Uh, Special Education Week will be celebrated October 22nd through the 26th in the district. This is a different time frame than what we've celebrated in past years, but certainly this aligns better with the state of Delaware as we recognize October as Disability Awareness Month. So some of the events that um, folks will see, our buildings are celebrating the achievements of well-known people with disabilities. We will be doing spotlight interviews with some of our past ambassadors on social media. Elementary schools will host book readings in various classes and create bulletin boards. Middle and high schools are also working on bulletin boards and post-it note campaigns that promote diversity, inclusion, and respect. We will also be hosting a parent focus group on Wednesday, October 24th at Millsboro Middle School at 6 p.m. This is for any parent or community member who would like to have an informal conversation about their ideas as it relates to special education. Also, please look for our billboards in the community during this week as we bring awareness to the importance of special education in our district. We've been very fortunate to partner with Hawkers and another alumni on this project, so we're very thankful um, for that partnership. In addition, all board members have a sheet in their packets this evening with a description of our SafeAbility series that will begin um, also during Special Education Week at Howard Tienis. This program also includes our TAP students as well. It is a pilot project that takes existing curriculum um, with embedded lessons and enhances three specific areas, which is school safety, social safety, and life safety for our students. 
So it's a partnership with the Georgetown Police Department, um, and we're truly extremely fortunate to have their support and expertise in this project, and we will kick that off on the first day of Special Education Week, which is again October 22nd. Thank you. Any questions? Okay. Uh, policy, Mr. Collins. Good evening. <clears throat> Tonight we have four policies coming up for a first and second reading due to, to minor changes. Uh, the first being IKF.1. Uh, this is our dual enrollment. We're changing um, for students enrolled in college courses, they'll receive one credit as opposed to the current one-half credit. Also changing the title of the coordinator from the, uh, the previous director of instruction to the director of secondary education. For uh, EE1 McKinney-Vento policy, it's a new policy. Um, and basically, it's a one paragraph stating that we are going to follow the procedures as outlined by the federal law of the same name. Um, KLB and policy AC, um, the only changes to these policies are we're, we're removing the title of director of uh, curriculum, removing the director of curriculum and adding the director of elementary ed and the uh, director of secondary education into that coordinator spot. Um, I would make a motion that we approve those four policies as approved, as presented. So moved. Second. <clears throat> motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Also, you will see we have a, our school choice policy coming up for a first reading. Um, if you look at page one, you'll see that we've added the definition of our designated feeder pattern. There was always a little bit of an issue as to, to what that actually entailed, so we decided to put that, uh, to absolutely outline it in there. Also, you will see the definition of a returning student has been um, updated to include um, number five and six, which were in the, uh, which were on page four for the approval criteria for applications. While you're on that, um, Mr. Collins, put a lot of thought in, in looking over this choice. I did direct um, Preston Lewis to look at our programs and establish program caps. Um, that would prevent what we saw a little bit tonight of, of having too many kids come into a program, particularly if you're looking at a kindergarten level immersion program. We have to have some type of cap system on that. We also have to take a look at the capacities of our buildings and you know, look at the policy, and we've, we've spent a lot of time with this policy, and probably more than, three times more than any policy that we have here, trying to look for the best possible way to put this policy in so that it would work, with the idea being, try to keep the kids we have in the system here, but try to prevent any out-of-district kids from coming in as much as we possibly could. And that's what we've tried to do when we designed this policy. But I think we are going to have to start paying very close attention. I will, I will tell you now, give you a, a, just a quick snapshot. We are approximately 70, 75, 80 kids higher than we were last September 30th. And we're starting to see a couple of trends now that we did not see two years ago, did not start seeing until about halfway through the year last year. Um, you know, those trends we can talk about a little bit more in the future. But I do think at this stage of the game, we're going to have to really keep an eye on our capacities and our program capacities on bringing in new kids from the outside. 
I do have a question on there just for clarification. Returning student shall mean a student currently enrolled in the Indian River School District and has moved out of the district's or the school's attendance territory and requesting to return to that school. Yes. Is there a time frame on that? Uh, Mr. Lewis, can you come up? I don't think, I think as soon as they move out, they are to notify us immediately. Okay. Because then I don't know how, how right. long it takes before, I mean, are we playing this? I went with this person or my, you know, my mother or my father or whoever for six months and now I want to turn around and come back and then we accept them back after that period of time. No. Yes, these, these are kids that again would be with us yep. that would move. Right. Let's, let's say like t tonight, for example, I think you saw three that moved, like one kid moved to Laurel, mm -hmm. but wanted to stay here in this system. And those are kids that we had talked about before as a, the first definition, I believe, of returning student. And Pepe, tell me if I'm wrong. That was the first definition state gave us of returning students. That is correct. And, and when Mr. Steele says they, that's the uh, DOE Department of Education. They come, this is a template. This is what you see here. This is a template from DOE that we received probably four years ago. Um, so the definition that they gave us at that particular time, a returning student would be a student who has moved out of that attendance territory and wishing to come back to that particular building. If you also look at the bottom of that returning student, you'll see in the highlighted returning students that are not, um, that are not included in this definition are students enrolled in the district, Spanish immersion, IB or STEM programs that are terminated or withdrew. Mm -hmm. uh, we saw a, a little bit of a loophole where someone could apply for a program there where we would need the extra students to maintain the program. Um, and then once they were in district, they could leave that program and we, they would still be here. With the way this is written, if they are terminated from the program or, or voluntarily withdraw from the program, they are no longer a returning student. So they would return back to them. That's That's something that, that Mr. Lewis will be working with all the principals who have, who have programs within their building to make sure that the kids meet those qualifications on a yearly basis. And if they stop or withdraw from that program, then we'll ask them to leave at that point. Is that not something we've monitored previously? I, I be honest, I do not know. I, since I've been here, no. Um, school choice has been an issue for the last really year and a half. We haven't really looked at it. But this is something that right now we have to monitor. Um, I'll, talk a little, I'll talk a little bit about trends next month after we get through to the 30th, and I have my 30th data. You'll be able to see when I, when I talk about some trends we're seeing uh, in some of our areas, you'll be able to get a little bit better understanding, um, you know, of kind of how things are shaping up. Still, still increasing numbers-wise. Um, in a couple of our schools, we're seeing a decrease in the number of kindergartners we have registered this year. So we don't know if that's just a one-year low or if that's something that will pick back up next year. So it'll, it'll give it a, bit, a little bit easier once we get through next uh, or this Friday and take a look. But we're, we're about 75, 80, 80 kids roughly ahead of where we were this time last year. And are we going to start to code the IB differently, IB? I think last time I had mentioned um, IB should be 11th and 12th grade. We have. We've talked about that. Okay. And, and the only the thing that gets us is what they, the kids come to us with in ninth grade and 10th grade, the, the prep courses or the pre-IB that, that they want them to go in. The pre-IB would be used the same sense as the IB program itself. If they drop out of that pre-IB program or that pre-IB as a ninth grader, for example, we would ask them to leave at the ninth grade year. Generally, you have a two-year contract on every school choice kid you have. 
if the kid comes back early, the sending and receiving district, both the superintendents have to agree. However, there are some things that we have in the school choice law that enable us to do that at, a, at the end of a year if certain criteria is not met by the student on, on part of the student. So if we have two years for the pre-IB students, that would work out really well because after the 10th grade, then we can make sure that they're ready to go into the IB program in 11th. And if they're not, we could potentially, you know, make a, could. a different that would, choice that at would, that juncture. That would be Dr. Okay. Layfield's call uh, at Sussex with his team, you know, to take a look at those kids. And I'm sure they look at those kids very carefully before they proceed up to those next two, two levels, grade 11 and grade 12. Folks, we've, 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 as I said before, we've put a lot of thought in this, a lot of thought. And I think this covers most of what we've talked about in the past. I really do. I just think right now, I think we've got to really be careful with our capacities and try to maintain what we've got without bringing any out district, out of districts in, if we can do that. And that's going to be the key issue that we're going to have. We will try to pick that up at our end. So I know when we've, um, the last month, the last two months, particularly, uh, Jay and, and uh, well, Dr. Owens will meet with uh, Mr. Lewis and uh, Mr. Lewis's secretary, and they go through these student by student, and, and Mr. Lewis has been contacting buildings. So we will try to make sure we hit any of these little bumps prior to them getting to the board level. So hopefully if you see a rejection, that means we've done our homework, and that rejection would not fit with the way we've designed this policy to be. But we backed this up to a first read because we wanted you to have a little time. Now, we need this, I think, Mr. Lewis, November. Yeah, we'll start the 1920 school choice process November. So we'll need this completed, second read, before or by no, no later than the October board meeting. Now, once we have that, we'll, we'll be able to uh, Mr. Lewis will work with the Data Service Center. They'll set any change in parameters that we have, and they'll, they'll move forward with you know, what we're working on, and, and hopefully it should help. So the only other comment I'll offer is that I do continue to struggle just a little bit with the fives and sixes being collapsed into the one, um, because it still leaves our number eight out of uh, district students. In my opinion, maybe at a slight disadvantage. Um, you know, the old number six would be the non-district students currently enrolled in the kindergarten center, fifth or eighth grade. Um, it does give those students a slight advantage, a non-district student over our own number eight children. So that may be something we can discuss at policy, but I really, really struggle with anybody from out of district having any advantage over our own children. My recommendation, Dr. Stadler, is everybody read this policy over and you can email us your questions and we'll get answers back or when we have our next policy meeting, uh, October, uh, attend that meeting and we can go from there. Okay, thank you. Mr. Layfield. I'd like to go right off of what Dr. Stadler astutely discussed. The in-district students getting some in district student treatment. The designated feeder pattern. What is the reason for designating that? <clears throat> because I see an example of a student that goes to East Millsboro, a student that then goes to Millsboro Middle, and the family would like that student to go to Indian River High School. That is not a designated feeder program. 
we cut that off from happening. If a student that lives in Georgetown goes to SDSA for the elementary school, and then that elementary school time passes and they wanna to go to a middle school that offers athletics, they cannot choose Southerville Middle, they could not choose Millsboro Middle, they'd be forced to go to Georgetown Middle School from where they, from where they live. I don't feel like we're taking care of a district student by designating feeder programs. I don't know what the intent was, but now I'm looking at it, and I think those are examples that I could name a dozen students and parents that have uh, matriculated through the Indian River School District, and I don't want to inhibit them from being able to do the same thing. So, and I apologize, I wish I was at the committee meeting to discuss this and not here in front of everyone, but I'm concerned with that. What was the reason for the designated feeder patterns? I think Mr. Mr. Lewis can clar clarify if I'm wrong here, but the issue we were having were exactly that, students coming from, from those centers and trying to pick and choose where they want to go, whereas other students coming from a certain school were already being told where they had to go. So by doing this, it, they were routing them back to their original pattern. Do you understand what I'm I do, but my question would be, why are we routing them back? Because of capacity? One of the reasons that was brought up, I, was, I, I thought about it, I didn't have any comment about it, but there was a comment made that many students are, and I don't know how many the many is, but a lot of students are wanting to go to certain schools, which is causing those schools to go over capacity. That was one of the reasons I heard. I don't know if that's factual. I don't know how many is many. I'm just saying I know I heard that comment. That if we allowed that, then certain schools are going to be inundated with school choice. Are we, now, are we using a middle school or, not. Middle not school sure. or high school example to that? That's what I'm kind of well, talking Maybe elementary. What you're saying. Maybe what you're elementary. saying we've got whatever you said. You said middle school, elementary, middle, then they want to go to the opposite high school. A different high school, yes, sir. If a lot of people start doing that, then we're going to create an overcrowding problem at that high school. It also came up with an elementary and a middle school. A lot of kids choose to go to a certain elementary or two. If we allow that to happen, they're going to become inundated with kids. That was one of the comments that I heard. Just sharing that, I'm not sure how many is many. I don't, I don't know. I was thinking about that. I'm trying to see if that holds water or not. I somewhat understand that. I'm just concerned with the taking care of a district employee or a district student because that district student not being able to go to a district school based upon their location is not having the same opportunity a Laurel student that happens to get accepted into a My, middle school. Right. And, and Heather and I have talked about this some. We had a good discussion about it. My take is once we take that student, they're now ours. They're not somebody else's even though we know they came from somewhere else. Okay. If we took them, they're now ours. But we're taking that student. Somewhere along the line, maybe we shouldn't have taken them. Agreed, agreed. But that student, that first time choice into, into the middle school is getting better treatment than our district student because of this designated feeder program <clears throat> policy. That's my concern. I so I do think there are some solutions that we have talked a little bit about. First of all, we, we don't know that we would have a huge influx into a particular building. I personally, and I talked with Mr. Steele and uh, Dr. Owens about this, 
um, I would like us to see, give it a chance to see if we do have a massive amount of people that are trying to choice. I don't believe that we will. I think it will stay about the same. And in my conversations with those folks, um, they also agreed that they did not think it would be a huge number. Um, secondly, just to kind of piggyback off of what you're saying, we go back to the discussion being that I would like us to find a way so that our own district students have that edge or advantage over any out of district student for whatever reason it may be, whether it's academic or they want to choose a particular building to go to or for an athletic program, whatever the case may be, um, which is why I continue to struggle immensely with these number sixes being collapsed into a one. I gave the suggestion of perhaps the number eights being collapsed into the one as well to at least allow those non-district students that we have accepted to be equal with our district students. Um, I don't know if that is a solution that's viable. We had some conversations about it, and I think the answer might have been the number one category will, in essence, be huge because we have so many district students. But I at least think it's a closer solution to equity than what we have right now, which is leaving eights as eights. To me, that's unacceptable. The, the, I always try to look for the positive. The positive is when we have our in-district kids' choice, it doesn't increase a number in our district. Right. It does in schools, but it doesn't really affect our overall district count. That's something that um, Dr. Owens and I last week, when I had the conversation, we had, we had talked about that. We just have not had a chance to get back together you know, to go through it. That's what we would use our next meeting for to see if there are any of these changes. Um, Mr. Layfield, what I'd like, if possible, if you could shoot me just a quick email mm -hmm. and just give me one of those examples to go by. Okay. You know, we can use that in our next policy meeting to see what changes we could possibly make to do that. Thank you. I didn't want to take up too much more time, but the designated feeder program, I, I, I understand, but I felt like it would be detrimental to a district family. Mr. Steele, it, it probably is pretty important that if anybody has suggestions, because we need to get this done, I'm yes. assuming, next month. So if you have suggestions, you really need to send them in yeah. or come to the meeting or something, because you know, I really think we probably got to get this done. And the sooner the better, because we'll bring back our, our committee that we, that we work with and, you know, try to go through this and try to, you know, incorporate whatever we can, you know, within, within the, uh, the guidelines of that. Um, I will say that I will be very honest and upfront. My my plan with this was to prohibit out of district coming in. That's what my purview was with this particular policy that you see, knowing that what we have is going to work out. So basically, every year when we have graduation, those out of district school choice kids who would be graduating, there would not be others being filled in behind them until we get control of what we have for our capacity. The in-district is, is the one that's a little bit more complicated just because of size, but we'll definitely take, we can go back and take a look at it. But again, I, we've got to have this uh, passed so we can implement it when we hit October because November rolls around, it has to be ready once that door opens. And it's easier for us to be able to you know, tell people who are applying for the first time particularly if they get that information that the school choice either is, is or is not available at this particular location. 
real important that we have it set so that people know that when they go on. So then at, one, at some point in time, it'll be a, a mute point as to however many kids we have come in the district or how many kids we go out of the district, as Mr. Fritz had asked somebody to get that information on. Because eventually, it's going to be 90, well, whatever the percentage is of yes. all Indian River School District and that district employees within the schools. True. And we've put a dent in that this year, believe it or not. We haven't accepted anywhere near the out-of-district kids that we have in the past. Hence, we don't see the, the, the total amount of growth that we've, we've seen before. You know, so we're, we're actually down, but we're still getting district-level kids in. And if you look at the construction, it's going to continue. I uh, just had a document in Millsboro, 288 homes are going in, or excuse me, in Georgetown, uh, right out by the college. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really not going to slow down on us at all. It's going to continue to increase. It's just it's going to determine at what level is it going to increase at. And so then at some point in time, we need to concentrate on our own in our district. With a pro If we do new programs, then the programs need to be able to be fielded by our own students in the district, as well as our sports that, programs and everything else, not going be, outside. That would, that would be for, better. Right. Well, I will caution you, school choice is not supposed to be used for athletics. I will. Excuse me? If I could, I'm going to, just to, to keep this moving, um, there are two additional additions, additional additions. Um, and number seven... You'll see it, uh, it defines the children of school employees, and that's employees holding a permanent position that meets the state requirement for a pension eligible, to be pension eligible. Um, and also probably the, the other hot button here is um, about halfway down, you'll see that the um, enrollment, at least, and it's changing from 85 to 90%, and we added the word building capacity, not grade level capacity, but actual school capacity um, and I think that's probably another one that's going to I'll have that, that report discussion. I'll have the building capacity report to you as well in the October meeting so I with the updated go, numbers go back to seven just for clarification on it holding a permanent position that meets the state requirements I understand that if if we have teachers that are teaching in our district and have, they have you have district employees that aren't teachers that well either way but if then they are no longer with the Indian River School District, what happens to that student? Question. They're here. They stay. Once, once the board makes the approval to accept them, they, they stay within the district. Because they're a returning student. I want to, yeah, I'll say this. We so have, here again we get number ones that are above, again, our own student that would be, they, they hold a spot. If they're already currently enrolled. Yeah. yeah we looked at this priority as maybe being a higher priority than what it, it, it is. And we kept coming back to this issue. Um, and we decided at that point we needed to leave it where it was and not move it higher, you know, like a five or oh, a, a yeah, four. Or three. We didn't want to do that. We can't put it up to the first three. But we didn't want to do that just because <clears throat> it would lock us in. And just please remember with six, the non, referring to the non-district students enrolled in those programs, if you limit the number initially coming in, then they never become right. a six. You're right. So you're, you're, if we do it the right way up front, then you'll never have those large numbers at that number six because um, they're not already enrolled. So you got to catch them before they get in. Right. And that, we've done a really good job, I think, of limiting those numbers and, fill, again, filling the programs with our own students. And the way this reads, if I'm correct, building capacity always trumps program capacity. That would be a decision this board is going to have to make. 
So, but, but the way this is written, am, am I reading that correctly? Where, where are we reading that at? This is lack of capacity means that the school or program calculates projected enrollment for the following academic year to be at least 90% of its building capacity. So I just want clarity that building capacity trumps a program capacity. I think that's what it, it says, but I want to make sure. That's, that was the uh, emphasis that, that we talked emphasis. about because we, I, I remember I asked Mr. or Dr. Layfield was at the meeting and I asked him, can you support the IB program with our own kids? And he's in the affirmative <clears throat> that okay. that can be done and that's what he's going to pursue. So for instance, with STEM though, that may be a different conversation. We, we may not, that came up too. And I, unfortunately, I mean, I didn't really want to hear it, but that program may not be able to stay if we can't support it with our own kids. And now, the only other thing is hopefully we'll have more discussion about that with the principal because Mr. Williams, Dr. Or Mr. Williams was not there, but I think that's something that we, you know, as a group probably need to get his opinion and feeling on that. Okay. The other thing is it says the district may disapprove. Other things have said shall. So what's going to be the thing that says, because it says the district may disapprove an application because of a lack of capacity in a particular school a particular program or school. They may do it. But it, you know, may leaves us open again. So if we're trying to close loopholes, you're giving somebody the opportunity to say, well, we could do this, instead of saying the district shall disapprove an application because of it, and then there's no somebody trying to get their way around it. I'm not sure that's state language, Mr. Lewis. That is know. state language, yes. That's straight well, from we state code. We'll check it. We can call them. <laughs> no. <laughs> the only thing I would, would ask is that on the very last page, look at how many times this policy has been it's revised. Been, amen. I got on the policy committee six years ago, and we've made changes to it every year. So it's something that we're always working on and we're always making changes to. It's not something that's been out there lingering and, and festering. I mean, it's <clears> something we touch every single school year, working to try <clears> to make it the best we can. I don't know if there's a fix for that, though, Chief. I don't because think. I don't just, think there just is. Just as Dr. Statler stating, she's wanting clarity to say, does capacity trump programs? And if that is the case, the IV program at Sussex Central will take no more out-of-district students ever with this policy. Correct. But then that would charge our our administrators and our teachers and our guidance counselors and everybody else that has a hand in a student's education to come forth and say there's a you have a potential instead of being if it be the word lax and just knowing that you got people that are going to step up and say yes I want to be in that program where you have six others that if you just gave them a little bit of a push may well do that program and that was the discussion like I'd be I mean as I remember the, Mr. Collins the, I think that's what we still. discussed that if you right. can't support the program I'm not sure why we're having the program We've got to support it ourselves. It's we know that East Millsboro's uh, Spanish immersion is all our own district kit. And we're a district bulging at the seams, but we don't have enough right. students to run a yeah. program. A one of the uh, one of the other things that we have coming our way is is, is something fairly new. Uh, some of you may may not be aware of it. Uh, in conversation with Sussex Tech, if you have been following 
Sussex Tech. I know there was some radio talk show on, I think, last week, and, and there was some conversation going. And I believe they are going to be changing the direction of that school. And it's going to be a more of a vocational mm -hmm. building. We, on our end, could possibly see an influx of kids who choose not to go to Tech in the very near future, who choose to stay within the district. Now, we'll lose, I want to guess, about 130 to 135 kids between the two high schools each year, I think, to, to Sussex Tech. Is that right, Mr. Steele? Roughly. It is. It's, it's roughly that. I'm, I'm choice and charter numbers. Yeah, I might be a little bit off on that, but I'm, I'm close enough to say that 120, I would say, a year we, we lose. And if we were to capture even 60 more of those kids back, if that were to happen. Now, needless to say, we may have some other kids go, too. But it, we may capture some kids back. Um, but Mr. Steele, yeah. I do recognize some students in our high schools want the technical education but can't get into Sussex Tech, so we might see an mm -hmm. increase. That's exactly right. It may be an even trade-off. We may, we may end up just trading, trading one group of students for another if they fulfill what, that, what they say they're going to do. I but it's something we'll have to monitor. So maybe, so maybe those kids will get what they actually need and want. Could be. Instead of yes. not being able to have access to something like that. Mr. Steele, you have something? I, I just went into unit count. We have 430 students choosing out of the district and 184 choosing into the district. That includes choice and charter. Thank you. <clears throat> so that, do you know, ma'am? Do you know if that's a decrease than last year? The students that are into, I'm sure, is a decrease yes. than last year because I thought the number was 230. That's good for our argument, but I think, I don't know if that's such a good argument for our school. That's my concern. I think we want to be a magnet for children in the Sussex County to get a good education to come into our school. We are not doing that because of capacity issues. Just, just my opinion. Thank you. But if you folks would read that very carefully and then get get some contact, some questions back to us, so we can work that before the policy meeting. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Next item is IREA rep. Good evening. That was some good discussion. And uh, I got a question. I was just I missed part of uh, the Sussex Central High School on why why are they putting gravel in? Why why can't the buses just park in the parking lot? And if I just I missed that part. I didn't know if that's something you guys could someone could answer for me before I leave. Um, second thing, on this school choice, um, I'm coming at it from a teacher's perspective. Um, I know that the administrators, uh, I heard that the administrators are being asked, um, would they accept these students? Would they accept these students? Well, when they accept them, the teachers are all ultimately getting these students. So we end up with uh, the teacher that was here tonight that said, now I got 28, now I got 29. Does the administrator accept that? No, the teachers are the ones accepting them. So this policy that you guys are discussing, which is great, I mean, I, I really do like the discussion, but the policy should eliminate the administrator from making that decision. That, that question should not be asked to the administrator saying, hey, will you take this kid? Because the administrator ultimately might feel um, pushed into it a little bit or you know, may know that that child's parents because it is a close-knit community. So 
that, that this policy you're talking about should eliminate that question from that administrator and ultimately should eliminate that teacher from receiving that student or overcapacity burden. So that's something to think about when you're discussing your policy. Um, next thing I, I do want to bring up is the administrator salary leveling. Um, let me start by saying I support the administrators. Um, I hope they receive a, a great salary and an increase on top of that. So let's start by that. But there's a lot of rumors going around and a lot of misinformation circulating amongst, amongst the staff and the community. And it's getting full circle. It's getting back to the administrators. It's getting back to people at district office. And ultimately, it's getting back to me. Um, we, we've, taught, we've worked together in the past um, to help people get information that's accurate and to help circulate accurate information. We've talked about transparency in the district, and that's been one of Mr. Steele's main things, is let's be transparent. Um, apparently, this matrix has been circulated amongst the administrators, um, but there's still an air of secrecy about it. Um, we tackled the impossible task of asking the teachers to postpone and stretch out their salary increase, and there was, wasn't really a hesitation to come to me as a person or as a, you know, someone that's in, in the position I am um, to help with that. And I went to all the schools and I, and I stood in front of everybody and helped, ha helped them understand all the facts. Um, but it's hard for me to help and to distribute accurate information when nothing's being shared. And I've, I've asked before and I'm asking again, can I see a copy of that matrix? If you guys or the, the district or the administrators want me to help squash out rumors, I need some information. So, I mean, I realize IREA has no say-so whatsoever in the admin salaries, but when we're talking about transparency and we're talking about spreading accurate information and rumors getting spread around the schools, if you want it to stop, I need some help. And you guys are the only people that can help me understand that. So I'm asking for some help. Superintendent's report, Mr. Steele. Mr. Barla, I have posted uh, my activities for um, this month. Um, I, I do want to highlight I didn't get a chance to participate in the learning walks Tuesday and Thursday. And I can tell you I, I came away with, with, you know, feeling absolutely terrific with the instruction uh, that I saw and also working with our uh, director of secondary and, and elementary and special education spent a lot of time planning on what we're going to do, what we think we can do that will really, really boost student achievement in our district uh, over the next two years. And we've already started the process of taking a look at uh, professional development for the staff, uh, also for our, our school leaders in, in doing so. So I, I believe over the next two years, you're going to see some, some absolute terrific things uh, from our district in, in terms of student achievement. And, and I, I can't say this enough. I, I, I visited schools in the South, visited schools in the North. And, you know, being an old secondary person and walking into elementary classrooms particularly and just seeing unbelievable organization, you know, just, just blows my mind. And then you, you walk to the middle schools and, and you, you know, you see a, a level of instruction that's, that you, you walk and the kids are well behaved and people are on task and you go to the high school and you're seeing the same things. And I think we're lucky in our district. And I think sometimes we forget to look at that, that if you take a look at the kids in our district, you look at kids 
you know, maybe up north in, in the school districts at the, in, in the Newcastle County area. It's night and day. It really is night and day. And I would ask any one of you going to a building and just walk around and look. Walk into some classrooms. Just get the administrator to, to walk you around and show you, you know, what's going on. And I think you'll be glad you did that because I came away last week feeling absolutely terrific after those learning walks. And even better after getting the ideas from the directors on what they think is the direction we can take to improve where we already are. And I, I just think we're going to see great things over the next couple of years. Um, other than that, the other part of the superintendent's report, we do have one district calendar, calendar change request. North Georgetown Elementary monthly PTO meetings, they would like to move them from 5 o'clock on the calendar to 6 o'clock for the remainder of the year. I strongly support that. I think that will give more parents the opportunity to get there from work. Okay. Need a motion? So moved. Second. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Financial reports, Mrs. Steele. Need a motion to pay the regular invoices for the month of August of 2018. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Mrs. Steele. Um, yes, I have a report on the um, August 31st, 2018 financials. Um, we've received 84 of the budgeted state revenue. The state um, preloads funds for us based on um, what we received the previous year um, as of July 1st. So we've already received 84% of our state revenue. Our total expenses, we've spent um, approximately 16% of the total budget. We are 17% 17, 17 of the year has been completed. The schools have spent roughly 27%. Curriculum has spent 28%. Athletics has spent 5%. 19 um, percent of our local salaries has been spent, 26% of operations, and 17% of our total budget. So after um, two months, we are on budget. Howard Tianis has spent 23% of their budget. Our tax deposit for July, which we received in August, was approximately $500,000. Um, the taxes received to date for FY19 um, are $629,000. Uh, same time period last year, it was $189,000. I believe the biggest difference there is the tax bills went out sooner, so people paid them sooner. So we received um, more money in August this year than we did last year. Um, detail information, we received approximately $5,000 in interest income in August. Um, we have a balance of 62000 in harvest funds for Ingram Pond used for maintenance of the pond area. The ILC programs have spent about 20% of their budget. We have approximately 97,000 in safety and security funds available, approximately 487,000 in student services and support funds available, um, a little over $2 million in federal funds, that's FY17 and FY18. We have not received our FY19 funds yet. Um, and the school donation and internal accounts have a balance of $1.1 million, and that's um, funds that belong to the students in the schools. 
Um, major capital improvement, we have not um, spent any of the funds that we've received from the state yet. We just signed the contract with um, Franklin Daniel. Minor cap, we have um, 862,000 available from FY18 funds. We won't get FY19 funds until um, end of October, early of November. And we've spent a total of 121, I'm sorry, $129,480 in the month of August on minor cap expenses. Any questions? Any questions? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Communications, Mr. Steele. Mr. Barney, 9.01, we have uh, use facility request. Uh, we have two. Uh, one is the requesting the use of the Sussex Central School Theater uh, by Discover Church. Uh, two is the use of the Indian River High School baseball field beginning in September until J January 31st by the Delaware Storm Baseball Organization. I would recommend we approve both. Need a motion. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstain. Can you pull the board, please? Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? Abstain. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Havier? Yes. Mr. Hudson? Yes. Mr. Lakefield? Yes. Mr. P? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. APS, zero, no, Motion passes by a majority vote. Field trips? We have three field trip requests, all are FFA, two by Sussex Central uh, overnight trips, one in October. Um, and, and one is going uh, not being, it was an overnight trip also, and that was to the Cape Penelope State Park. And the third is the FFA um, trip in October to Indianapolis. I would again approve all, I would suggest we approve all three. So I, could, I just have a quick question. On Sussex Central, they're going to go from October the 20th through the 28th, but Indian River is only going to go the 23rd through the 26th. So 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, you, you have a different, yeah, you have a different range, I okay. believe, if, if I have uh, Mr. Layfield, I think they have a different range when they have that uh, convention of certain things are done at certain times. and. Um, Indian River, I would say what they're going for is it's in the middle group. of that week okay. compared to the, the rest. Yeah. I don't know exactly what competitions Indian River uh, is participating in, but uh, depending on uh, the level of competition and the winner at the state or regional level, there may be a different range of when tractor driving and meat judging and whatever the other things are that they qualified for are held over, over the time of that convention. They, they actually do meet judging, tractor driving, several judging. things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Okay. We only voted on that, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Next item on the agenda is for the second public comment. 15 minutes. We, we didn't vote, Mr. Barlow. We have to vote on, on the trips. Okay. The trips. Field trip. Okay, I'm sorry. Second. Motion made and second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? That is unanimous. Thank you. Now we come to uh, public comments. 15 minutes for anybody in the audience who wishes to make a public comment. Seeing none, we need a motion for executive session. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. Aye. Opposed? 
need a motion to approve excluding item number 44. So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? 44. You voted for it. You said excluding 44, right? Excluding. Yeah. Excluding. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Motion is uh, accepted. Need a uh, motion on 44. We need a high, we need a motion to hire 44. If you don't make a motion we hire for I make a motion we hire number 44 on the list. Make a motion to do it. Yeah. Is there a second? Second. Okay, motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? Yes. You oppose? Yes. Okay. Mr. Barley? Yes. Mr. Collins? No. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yep. Mr. Hudson? No. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mr. Peden? Yes. Dr. Statler? No. Mrs. Wright? No. Five, yes, and four, no, and zero extensions. Okay, motion fails by lack of a majority vote. Need a motion on the addendum? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. Contractual agenda. Need a motion on two items? So moved. Second. Motion made and seconded. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion say aye. Aye. Opposed? That is unanimous. You need a thing that we just discussed last. Uh, need a motion for Mr. option Barley, one, option two. Mr. Barr, I'd like to make a motion that we accept option number one. Second. We have a motion on uh, number one for motion made and second. Any discussion? All in favor of the motion, say aye. 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 Opposed? Opposed. Hold the board. Mr. Barley? No. Mr. Mr. Collins? Yes. Mr. Fritz? Yes. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Hudson? Yes. Mr. Layfield? No. Mr. Peden? No. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Six yes, three no, zero abstentions. Motion passes by a majority vote. That's all there is to move on, right? No further business come before the board. The meeting is adjourned.